self-love versus selfishness, part two is what I'm sharing this morning. Um, I want to really get into the topic of selfishness a little bit further in this service. And I want you to help me look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, say, God is counting on you to love the world through you. You know, the Bible says in the popular scripture, John 3, 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave. That's the way God loved the world. One translation, I think, either Passion or New Living Translation, said, this is how God loved the world that he gave. There's a way to love. There's a way God loved the world. So he said, uh, for this is how God loved the world. Can you see that? He gave his one and only son. There's a way God loved the world. And we can still feel the effect of that love up to today. But we live in a time where love between brothers and sisters, love in our world is being eroded very fast. And it's one of the, quote-unquote, the prophecies of the end time. Because Paul, writing to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, when you read from verse 1 to 5, alluded to the fact that as we go closer to the end times, that perilous times shall come. Uh, uh, can, you, can, you, can you give me in, uh, in the New Living Translation so I can cut through the chase? New Living Translation, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1. He said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. In the last days, there will be very difficult times. And King James said, perilous times shall come. Difficult times. What will make it difficult? One of the things that will make it difficult to live in these days and in the last days is that love will be draining very fast from the world. Love will be draining out of our world very fast. So in verse 2 there, uh, this is what will make it a difficult time. So difficult times will come, and verse 2 it says, for people will love only themselves and their money. People will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will Consider nothing sacred. We're seeing all this in our world today. We're seeing all these people mock things of God. They, 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 there are many more people today who are self-centered and selfish in their approach to the way they live their lives. And they put it under the, you know, the guise of self-love. I cannot come and kill myself. You know, especially if you live here in Nigeria, you hear things like that. I cannot come and Come and come and die. <laughs> you know, those, those, those kind of sayings. Uh, uh, it's all about, now more about self-love. Yeah. It's more about self-love. So, uh, verse, uh, verse 2 there says, they, they will, uh, go back to verse 2 for me, verse 2 here. It said they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedience to parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Verse 3 says they will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. See, so, see there, it said they will slander others. Its speech has become a big deal in our world today. It has gained you know, national acclaim. Now, even with all the issues that we have in our country, even in National Assembly, they are discussing its speech, coming up with a bill and all that. These are things that, before now, were not so important in, in the scheme of things. But, but some things are happening these end times, and a lot of these things are taking love away from our world. 
and making people to just be self-centered, focus on themselves. And the Bible says here, it said, uh, they have no self-control, they will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They will be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. And verse 5, the last one says, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. So they will act religious. We see that, especially in our part of the world, we're still I mean, very, very religious. He said they will act religious, but deny the power that can make them godly. That means the religion can be an enemy of godliness or can, be, can, can stop you from really being godly because it's a form, it's an act. So we show as if we are religious. That's, we love God, we do things of God. But Jesus said, by this shall men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love one another. The men will know that you are my disciples. How will people recognize that we are disciples of Christ is the love that we show for one another. So in the world that where love is drying up very fast, drying up in homes, drying up in organizations, it's a dog-eat-dog world that we live in. We, as disciples of Christ, we must be the ones to demonstrate, show forth, shine the light of God's love upon our world and show that God is still alive and well in us. The Bible says in Romans 5 and verse 5, he said, hope does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit, whom God has given unto us. It's the Holy Spirit that shed the love of God abroad in our heart. One of the proof that I have the Holy Ghost in me is that if I open up my heart, there will be love flowing into my heart by the Holy Spirit. Then I have love to give to my world. Though it starts with me, I need to love myself. But I cannot take self-love to a whole new level where it stems, I mean, it, it, it crosses the boundary to selfishness. So people talk about self-love today. Self-love, in a simple definition, is doing to yourself what Christ did for you. That's how to love yourself. So, doing to myself what Christ did for me. Loving me, forgiving me, serving me, giving me grace, you know, and all those things. That's how I love myself. Our definition of self-love must be changed. I cannot love myself more than Christ loved me. So if I really want to love myself, I should love myself the way Christ loved me. And he forgave me, so I need to forgive myself, notwithstanding what I've done. I need to forgive myself. He prays for me. The Bible says Christ is, is interceding for us. So I need to pray. I need to pray for myself. Uh, Self-love is not to be self-absorbed. Self-love is not debauchery. Self-love is not to be out of control in, at pleasing my flesh. Because you can say, I want to love myself, love myself, and then I love myself to hell. Christ loved me to eternal life. Any self-love that will engender eternal damnation is not love. I'm actually hating myself. Yeah. So if, you, if, if the reason why you are romancing a substance and say, I just want to, I want, I want, I want to be happy, love myself, and then you drink yourself to stupor. Yeah. And then you are on, on the path to eternal damnation. You don't love yourself. You don't love yourself. If the reason why, you know, I love myself, I, I want to be happy, 
So I, I, I need someone in my life so that I will be happy. And then you're chasing a, a married man or a married woman. You don't love yourself. Yeah. Because when their spouse wake up and find you, yeah, they will show you gone. Then you will know that I don't love myself. If you love yourself, you keep away from such things. I, I hope somebody's getting me this morning. Loving myself is loving me the way Christ loved me. He loved me into eternal life. <laughs> he loved me into becoming a child of God. He didn't love me to, to destruction, to destroy myself, but he loved me into life. So self-care does not preclude the necessity of responsibility, hard work, sacrifice, generosity, or discipline. Because some people just, you know, under the guise that I want to love myself, I'm living a very reckless life. You know, indiscipline. Just, just, just living anyhow. Selfish, not taking responsibility. A man wants to say, I just want to love myself. You love yourself, you focus on yourself, you don't care about your family. You love yourself, you don't care about what's going on in the life of your spouse. The I cannot come and die women too. They say, uh, this, this life is not my own, no. I'm just passing through. Yeah. Oh, this, this world is not my, my own. <laughs> you know, I cannot come and die because of one man or children. Some people have not taken it to that point to say, you know, children, it's their life, they will live it. Me too, I'll live my own. So real self-love is responsibility. It's responsibility because you need to love yourself and love the people around you, the vital relationships around you. Any kind of self-love that is breaking down the vital relationships that God has put in your life is not self-love. It's self-destruction. Because you can't survive with those vital relationships. When God looked at Adam, he said, it's not good that man should be alone. Yeah. Glory be to Jesus. So, he, he, and when he says it's not good that man should be alone, he wasn't only talking about marriage. He was talking about isolation and self-centeredness and being on my own. We are created for connection, not isolation. And we must have that at the back of our mind. Even when Jesus taught us to pray, in the Gospels. He said, when you pray, pray after this manner. Our Father. If he wanted us to be self-centered, he would have said, pray, my Father. No. And today, most Christians pray, my Father. My Father, my Father. Yeah. Like I said in the last service, we are praying. If you, somebody's voice is louder than your own, you raise your own. Ah, it's my Father too. Must hear. It's like competition. God must hear my prayer before he hears some other people's prayer. Jesus said, when you pray, pray after this manner. Our Father, who art in heaven. It means that you have to be inclusive in your approach to God, even God. That's why God will not deal with a man in isolation if he's in a covenant with a woman. Yeah. That's why God will ask Cain, where about your brother, Abel? Because he's our father. He's our father. He's our father. He cares about everyone in your home, everyone in your office, everyone in your neighborhood. He cares about everyone in this church. This church is not about one person. It's not about me, it's not about the minister, it's not about my wife, it's not about, it's our father. This is his house. So if you, in your family, God cares about everybody in your family. That's why Jesus said, pray our father. Not just my father, our father. 
He has a, a father's heart. And it's not just the father of one person. It's all of us. And we must have that kind of perspective if we want to walk with God. Say amen, somebody. So, the remaining time that I have, I want to show us how selfishness and self-centeredness can limit what God can do in the life of a man and the life of a woman. How looking at myself and thinking that the world, the whole world revolves around me can limit the hand of God on my life. And we're, we're, we're going to break it down, uh, you know, a bit further so that you can understand what I'm saying. I'm going to use two Bible characters, then I'll go to a few points. One is, let's check out the life of uh, Joseph, the grandson of, um, of Isaac and the great-grandson of Abraham. Joseph. Joseph's story is a story that has been told, you know, all around the world, even amongst people who don't believe in the Bible, they still have something to pick from that. Because it's a very emotional story. It's a story of an individual that went through a lot. And you ask yourself the question, why did God have to put him through a whole lot of this just because God wanted to fulfill his purpose? But the most instructive part of it, which is what I want us to look at this morning, is how this man allowed the love of God to be his word toward and his guiding principle. And how it then led to him not being stuck in life. Joseph, it was as if there's a spirit of hatred that was hanging around his life. Though his earthly father loved him and gave him a coat of many colors. So his brothers came after him, like we all know. So he was sold into slavery, story that we're familiar with. And then he got into slavery. And the, the, again, the man of the house loved him because he had good traits. Then that spirit of hatred showed up again. The woman of the house went after him and then postured as if it was Joseph. And Joseph landed in prison. If something has happened to you twice, shouldn't you think that it's a spirit from your village that is following you? The name of his stepmother is Leah, right? He would have thought that it was Leah that was doing all. You know, that's the way Africans think. Yeah, it was my stepmother that was causing all this, you know. At that time, Joseph should have been asking, is there any prophet in Egypt that can, that can pray for me? That can, you know, because that's what people do, they, to trace the spirits. So we can deal with that spirit. Because it was just exactly what happened in his house. His father loved him, his brothers gang up against him. In the same vein, the master of the house, Potiphar, loved him. Potiphar's wife, you know, cooked up something against him. He landed in prison. In prison, who should be the saddest person but Joseph? Who came out from a house of love but has encountered, you know, a large size of hatred in his life? But yet, in that prison, he kept a good spirit. He did not think about himself and what he was going through as the most important thing in the world. In, in, uh, in Genesis chapter 40 there, when you read verse 5 and 6, can you give me verse 5 and 6 of Genesis 40? Joseph, in the midst of all that he was going through, could still see what other people are going through. 
So the Bible says, then the butler and the baker, verse 5 of Genesis 40, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night, each man's dream with his own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. Their spirit was down. They were in prison. Everybody should be sad. Like some people will say, this is Lagos. Every man for himself, God for us all. And I did not come to Lagos to count bridges. These are the kind of things that we say. Because there's an environment where, quote and unquote, sometimes it looks like it's permitted to be self-centered. You know, you can walk in toxic environment and you make excuses for yourself that all along my career path, I've worked with terrible people. So I watch my back. Nobody's watching my back. I do it for myself. That's how Joseph should have been behaving. If he was not convinced earlier, the second occurrence will convince him that in this world you watch your back. Nobody is interested in your progress. Yeah. That's how some people, even Christians, think and behave. And it affects how we are able to manifest the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. This guy should have said, this is prison. That's sad. You better be sad times 10. Who should be happy here? But your case is not as bad as my own. Did they lie on your head? Is it not that Pharaoh was just angry and sent you to prison? And maybe when his anger is down, he'll call you back. But this one, that woman, will meet in heaven or hell. Anywhere we meet. Anywhere. Even in hell, I will deal with her. Remember <laughs> that's how some people will be? Yeah. But no, he noticed what they were going through. The Bible says it came to them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his lost house, saying, why do you look so sad today? The way you live your life right now, can you notice when somebody needs love around you, care and attention around you? That's a big question. Yeah. Can you still notice that when somebody, I mean, to, to, to be able to slow down enough to notice that somebody needs care, needs attention, needs help. Somebody sit here today. So we must not let the society change us and make us act outside of our nature. Selfishness is insidious and must be actively combated. We must actively combat it. Self-centeredness is insidious. We must actively combat it. And selfishness and self-centeredness is expressed in so many ways. One is being fixated on getting, but never challenging oneself about giving. If Joseph was only fixated on, how am I going to get out of prison? He would not even bother about who is in or who is out, or who is sad or who is happy. Not knowing that it's by showing love, concern, and care to the other people in prison that he was going to get his way out of prison. Because if it was just by happenstance, that happenstance may never happen. Potiphar had moved on. The guy was a bad guy. He was a slave anyway. How much did we buy him? We can do without it. You understand? He was not that important. He didn't have a family in Egypt that could get a lawyer for him. 
or sue somebody on his behalf. No, he was just a piece of commodity, slave. As far as Potiphar and his wife were concerned, they had moved on. We have disposed of that commodity, good readings to bad rubbish, and that was it. Joseph would have just rot in prison forever, but that he could still connect with people and, you know, still had that sense of loving people, finding a common ground to be able to connect with people. Glory be to Jesus. So, being fixated on, uh, on getting, but never challenge, never, you know, challenging oneself about giving. So, selfishness is a disease Oh, sorry, it's not just a disease of the affluence. There are many poor people who are self-centered. As a pastor, deal with indigent people. And sometimes we're just trying to explain to somebody, this is what we can do, or this is how we're going to help you. And the person says, if you can't help me this way, I'm going now. And they walk out on you. And you ask yourself, ah, we have to start from somewhere. The person is not even patient enough. And this person is stranded. Some people are stranded and yet arrogant. So, self-centeredness is not just a disease of the affluent. We have many affluent people who are self-centered, but we also have many indigent people who are very self-centered. Selfishness is, is a state of the heart. The state of the heart that, that says, I'm, I'm, I'm important, and the world should revolve around me. And when we start to walk with God, one of the things that we must realize is that even when we call on the name of God, he's our father, not just my father. Yeah. He's our father. It's good to have a revelation of God as my father, our father, daddy, my father. But layered on that revelation is also that he's our father who art in heaven. Are you still with me? Yeah. We must have those two perspectives about God. It makes our Christianity more believable, more meaningful, more inclusive. And it brings glory to God. So, so, are you generous with your time, affection, forgiveness, kindness, and all those things? Are you generous with them? Are you truly generous with those things? Selfishness can numb your sensitivity to other people's needs. If Joseph were to be, you know, selfish, like I said, he won't even bother about all those people. Who are they? They just, uh, well, just common sleep here right now, you know. When you, when you do certain kind of work, you can, it can desensitize you to people's needs. Yeah. If you, are, if you work in public sector, for instance, you work with government, you go do inspection, do all kinds of things. You have seen it all. Yeah, we're complaining now that the educational system has been run down. But that's what you do. You go into those places every day. You have seen classrooms that don't have chair, you know, all those things. After a while, it doesn't even mean anything to you again. It's like people who work in the morgue, in the mortuary. When people whose family members have passed and they go there and they say, we want to see, they will just open. Is it your own? Is it your own? Is it your own? And... These are people that, I mean, people are standing there who are emotional because they just lost a loved one. But that's what they do. Dead body is not a big deal. Yeah. They just, the same way you can be a pastor who is fully desensitized to what people are going through. Yeah. I get, I mean, my life as a pastor, I've conducted so many funerals. Uh, 
And I've had a few funerals where I cried as I was doing it. And people were saying, you are supposed to be helping us not to cry. I said, I can't hold myself too. Yeah. Especially when, it has, when it's somebody that... Uh, <laughs> while I was at Desta, uh, we, we lost someone that used to work with me directly. I, I was, I was um, in charge of outrage, communication, and different things, branding, all kinds of things there. There was a particular lady, I cannot forget, was in the East. I traveled to the East to, to conduct the funeral. I stood there, and at the, at the burial side, I was just crying. People were embarrassed for me. I was embarrassed for myself. <laughs> now, what kind of pastor is this? They brought you all the way from Lagos to come and be crying on me. Well, I just couldn't help myself. Yeah. Couldn't help myself. Because I had memories. Strong memories. But because I do that, you know, it does not mean, as in do that fairly regularly, it doesn't mean that I get desensitized to the fact that a family has just loved, lost somebody. But, the, the, I mean, you, you can be a doctor and you are, you know, it's just another disease. Somebody is sick, okay. Right, bring an injection. Uh, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying that we should be careful, especially in certain work uh, uh, types. We cannot afford to be desensitized to what people are going through. Jesus wants to manifest his love in our hearts to other people. And he will do it through our profession, through our neighborhood, through different places where he will plant us. So if you're an education, you're a teacher, don't just say it's another child. It's a, chi- a child of our father. Yeah. And that child may not be pulling his or her weight right now, but maybe you do something extra. If you will stoop low, like Jesus did in Matthew 19, let the little children come to me. Glory be to Jesus. So, we should not allow selfishness to numb our sensitivity. Don't become too familiar with, with pain. We should not be too familiar with pain. When we see people in pain, we shouldn't be too familiar. You know, you can drive through Lagos, and you're just so familiar with street kids, with people begging on the road, with people in wheelchair, people in all kinds of situations. They just say it's Lagos. I mean, we see it every day. But sometimes God will want you to do something. Sometimes God will want you to pay attention. Sometimes God will just want you to see something differently. And you must be willing to open your heart at that time. It may not be all the time, but sometimes God will want you to see something differently. That was what happened to Joseph at that time. Uh, the other second story that I said I wanted to share, second character, was Abraham himself in Genesis 18. Genesis 18, when you read, I think from verse 1, the Bible says that Abraham had been waiting on God for the fruit of the womb. You know the story. For many years. But in Genesis 18, then the Lord appeared to him by the terrible tree of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. The Lord appeared to him. But look at verse 2. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men, not three angels, three men were standing by him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. From that point on, what you saw was that Abraham asked them, can, can we wash your feet? Can we do this? Can we do that? Uh, sit under the tree. Let me go and get uh, Moses of bread or something. Uh, he killed a young animal and entertained them. This is the point I'm trying to make. The Bible says the Lord appeared to him. But when Abraham will look, he saw human beings. But he treated them like God. 
God does not eat Moses or bread. Whatever happened, maybe God took the form of human flesh. But you know God can appear to you and you see man and you hate men. And you lose that. Because it was one of those men that spoke out. Said, according to the time of life, I will return. And when I return, this is what's going to happen. Sarah was hearing by the tent door and the Bible says she laughed in her heart. If Abraham discountenance those people and feel like they're not important, that barrenness may continue for a while. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Because God appeared to him, but it was men he sent. Yeah. If Joseph will not pay attention to Pharaoh's butler and baker, he may have just ended his life in prison forever. Like that. Just remain in prison. Some people are in the prison, having prison experiences in life right now just because they have refused to release the love of God that is in their heart to their world by paying attention, connecting with the right people, even when they don't look like it, going out of our way to solve problems for people, to remember that people still matter to God and that we are created for connection, not isolation. Because sometimes you have too much on your own. And you can afford to isolate yourself. But you don't know that where you are is just a place on your journey. You are not there yet. There's still much more that God wants to do in your life. There's still one thing that is remaining. At this point, Abraham was blessed in all kinds of things, but he didn't have a child of his own. And if he didn't pay attention to God when he showed up in the image of men, he would have missed out on what God was about to do. The same thing with Joseph. So are you still sensitive to people around you? As a business owner, are you sensitive to people that God has brought to work with you or work for you in your business? Do you treat them like human beings? Do you have honor, regard, and respect for them? Because by this shall men know that you are my disciple when you show love in your heart to other people. So, we need to actively combat the temptation to harden our hearts. Our hearts, because our hearts must re remain tender. Also, you cannot be religious and yet, I mean, you can be religious and yet selfish. There are many people in church who the outward appearance, we look religious, but in action, we're self-centered. We're not sensitive to other people's plight. We use Christianese like it is where. When you can make it where. Mm. You can make it where, but you say it is where. James 2 and 15, you know what the scripture says there. That if you say to your brother, who is naked and hungry, be filled, be covered. <laughs> and you allow them to walk away. Be filled. Angels will feed them, right? Yeah. Don't just say it is where, when you can make it where. If you can make it where, make it where. That's when we put action to our love and our utterance. Another thing we should pay attention to is that haste is an enemy of love. Haste, haste is an enemy of love. Slow down. Never be too busy to love. There can be a man, a woman listening to me right now. The reason why things are going south in your marriage is because of this busyness. You need to slow down and love somebody. Slow down and love somebody. Ask yourself the question, 
This busyness is supposed to be a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. And what is the end? If after all the business and I come back and there's nobody to love, there's nobody to care for, you spend all the money on yourself, what kind of life is that? Can you hear me tap your neighbor and tell your neighbor, say, slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Because if you don't slow down, you won't see the people that you're supposed to love. In Matthew 19, and, uh, verse 14 and 15, you see Jesus there. Jesus slowed down. The protocol people were saying the children should go away from him. They should push them away. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. And the Bible says he lays his hands on them and departed you know, from there. And as he walked away from there, if you read a little further, the young rich ruler cried out to him, Master, what must I do that I may inherit, uh, may have eternal life? Jesus had time for children. He had time for rich people also. You know, if he didn't have time for those children, and he said, as they were showing them, of he showed them, showed them. And then the rich man showed up. They would have criticized him to say, eh. Because the young rich ruler, immediately after, showed up. Maybe he even took a cue from the children, knowing that, ah, if this man will slow down enough for children, that means I have hope too. At least I'm not a child and I have money. So, <laughs> just to show in the same passage, and when you go to Luke, Mark, you see the same account. It was Jesus, I mean, uh, uh, talking to children and then later also talking to a man of means and straightening him out. So, have time. Create time. You can't be too busy than God. He still loves the whole world and he has to cater to the whole world. It's only a company that you are running. Your children cannot see you. They cannot feel any love. You know, many children are being raised today, no love in their heart at all. Because the people who are supposed to show them love are not there. Are you still with me today? We need to be careful not to uh, entertain the tyranny of busyness. In the story of the Good Samaritan, in Luke chapter 10, it was the same thing. The priest passed by. The priest was too busy, perhaps, maybe going to preach or going to, and took the other side. The Levites, people who serve in church, the same thing. It was only a Good Samaritan across the road and went and checked the man out. And then created time to follow through. Not just check him out, took him to the inn and said, look, uh, uh, Though I have business appointment to catch, I'm leaving some money. Please make sure that this man is okay. I will come back. If, he had, uh, if you have more money, more invoice, I will come and pick them up. So it wasn't a jobless person. It was just a person with a connected heart that has a heart for people. Glory be to Jesus. Selfishness manifests in keeping malice and the refusal to forgive. And we must combat it. We must combat it. We must combat it. We must combat it. So it's time to combat selfishness and love your neighbor. Stop giving excuses for your selfishness. That's why some people have not moved as far as God wants them to move. Because we're giving excuses. Excuses for the things that we should not give excuses for. Yeah, like I said before, I'm too busy. Someone else can help. No, God wants you to do something about it. And it's time to, for us to also take off our sunglasses and look around because people have needs all around us. If Joseph figuratively would not take off the sunglasses to say, look, I'm not the only one that has a need in this prison. 
other people have needs, and then you look for somebody that was sad, he himself would never have left the prison. But somebody listen to me right now. The pathway out of what you are going through is to look for people who are going through stuff that may not even be as serious as your own, and allow God to use you to sort them out. And then you're going to see how God will move in your own situation. Glory be to Jesus. As we wrap this all up, this week, we need to walk consciously at doing things with people. So the Bible says, be, be warmly affectionate one to another. All through the Bible, in the New Testament, you see, uh, in, the, in the King James, there are 59 instances in the New Testament where we are admonished on how to treat one another. And you see, can you, can you put my next slide on? All the one another in the Bible. There's so many of them, but it's just a few. Love one another. Give to one another. Pray for one another. Forgive one another. Bear with one another. Celebrate one another. Confess your fault one to another. Somebody needs to leave this service this morning and say, look, I need to approach somebody and say, look, uh, I did something that is, that is not, not right. And I just wanted to know. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I did this against you, and I'm sorry. Or I did this, and it hurt our business, and I'm sorry. And I want to, to make it right. You know? Confess your fault to one another. Build upon another. Greet one another. Yeah. This week, somebody, you need to greet somebody that you have not been greeting. And you know the truth? Even if you greet somebody and they do not answer you, you will answer for yourself. Yeah. You know, it was Mr. Oshika preaching at the women's conference last year that said she used to have this landlord, landlady, that she would greet, the woman would not answer. And when she's going to work, the woman will be outside. She'll say, good morning, ma. And she will answer for herself. Ah, good morning, my daughter. You, go where? Go where? Yeah. Because she knew that the woman would not answer, so she would answer for herself. She said, ah, good morning, my daughter. Go where? She'll be telling herself as she's going on. Yeah. Because she said, I want to be a Christian. I want to do my part. You know, some people will say, why do you greet somebody who does not respond? Greet them. Let it enter a record in their heart. Somewhere, both the devil and the Holy Ghost is telling them, you are a bad person, you are a bad person. They greeted you and they answered. Yes. Yes. But put it in record. You do your part. That's what I'm saying. And leave the rest for God. Glory be to Jesus. So this week, let's engage. Praise God. Somebody wants to clap. Please do it, do it very well. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I was saying, finally, this week, somebody needs to engage in what I call one another. One, one another. Out of all the one another that we have shared. If you go to Colossians chapter 3, you'll see many one another. If you go to Ephesians uh, chapter 4, you'll see many one another there. You can read Ephesians 4, Colossians 3. you see so many one another. There's one one another that you can do this week. And you take off. You know, I just forgave somebody, one another. Uh, greeted somebody. That's, that's, that's how we know that something is changing in your heart and changing in your life. And you're not just a hearer of the word, but also a doer. Praise God.